Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Your Fitness Formula. This episode is releasing the day after Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, so to all of my American listeners, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great time, ate all the food you could possibly shove down your throat and into your stomach um, and are happy and thankful for everything in your life and excited to keep continuing with your fitness goals and not letting one day of gross overeating derail you um, and that you're ready to maintain your health and fitness goals, maybe even make some great progress during this holiday season. I know it's a bit tough with coronavirus and everything going on, but hopefully this uh, podcast and this episode can be a bit of motivation for you uh, going forward. So in this episode, I talked with Chris Janke, who's a father, author, and the host of his own podcast, uh, Health in the Real World. Um, He's been a personal trainer since 2004, and he places an emphasis on first building a strong foundation and continuing from there. He's a big fan of bodyweight training and progressing in a safe manner, uh, and he aims to help his clients build strength, flexibility, and core at the same time. It was really great to talk with him and learn more about basic yet no less important parts of the human anatomy that should really be focused on to live a healthy, functional life. So I'm excited for you to hear what Chris had to say. Hey, what if I told you I have the secret get fit quick formula? Well, I'd be lying. See. There isn't a one-size-fits-all magic potion, and fitness isn't something obtained overnight. I learned that the hard way. Through many failed experiments, I've ended up on all sides of the scale, from overweight to underweight to now my ideal weight. I've been where you are. It took a while, but I finally discovered there is a simple formula. It's reliable and sustainable. It can be tailored to your individual genetics and goals. It's not a shortcut, but knowing about it is. This show is meant to guide you along your health journey. By listening to the stories of health and fitness professionals, you will learn the principles and habits that can lead you to long-term health. I'm Teddy Benz, and I want to help you craft your fitness formula. Chris, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Teddy. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you, uh, learn what you do, and um, the uh, kind of training and nutrition you like to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So to begin, could you tell me about yourself, how you got into the world of fitness, uh, what you do today? Yeah, yeah. I've been a trainer since 2004. I started, uh, and then even before that, I was always... I I love sports. I, I grew up playing everything I possibly could. Baseball, basketball, soccer, football, uh, you know, track, cross country, that kind of stuff. And uh after college I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh I I sort of had a a lot of limiting beliefs around what I could do. Uh, you know, I thought I needed to go get a job and sit at a desk and you know, do something in that role. But um, I really didn't want to do that. I knew a guy who ended up playing semi-pro basketball in Europe. And he was, he's definitely better than I was. But I kind of thought that, hey, you know, if I really, really apply myself for the next year or two, I might have a chance. And I was 22 years old at the time. I hired a personal trainer. I trained for 18 months. 
and uh, just got in. I, I mean, I was in phenomenal shape. I uh, ended up going to two tryouts and I, you know, as good a shape as I was in, I knew really quickly that I'm not even close to, to what, you know, what they're looking for. So, and actually one of the tryouts, this is kind of funny today. There were about 200 of us, all different heights. I'm, I'm about six foot one. So short for a basketball player, but a little above average for kind of an average person. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was hilarious. There's, there's, you know, 200 of us out on the basketball courts. There's, there's maybe eight courts. And one of the coaches comes out and he just says, all right, everybody, uh, if you're under six foot four, just go home. Oh, wow. And everyone's looking at each other. And we're like, are you serious? And, and I mean, they, they totally could have done that, you know, because there were still 50 people who were over six foot four who were trying out at a, at, you know, a higher height level. So, you know, I didn't make either of those teams, but just the whole process of getting in shape was just, it was just awesome. And the trainer that I was working with said, you know, I think you should study and I think you'd be a good trainer. And I, I really took that to heart and studied for the next uh, three or four years and just kept learning more and more. And what I do now, I think you mentioned, we may be talking about this, about more of the body weight stuff. Uh, I specifically work with people who want to strengthen their core. And there's a lot of reasons for wanting to do that, whether it's improve coordination or balance or prevent injuries or decrease pain or anything like that. Uh, and, and my main reasoning for that is, is the um, lower back pain that I suffered with since I was 13 years old. And I was, again, trying to be an athlete and I wasn't stretching, I wasn't recovering properly. And so I, I would say I almost always had back pain. So that those two things in tandem are, are kind of what led me into doing the type of training that I do today. Awesome. Uh, that uh, story about uh, the basketball tryout was it's a little disappointing, but yeah. But the fact that uh, getting in shape and meeting that trainer uh, got you to this point uh, is pretty great. It was great, man. And you know, one thing I say to people is you may not, you may not hit your actual goal, but if you, if you try for something, and you you give it a full 100 percent you're gonna you're gonna get somewhere great and i think there's there's like a cliche right shoot for the stars and you'll land on the moon or something like that uh that's pretty much what happened with me you know i i don't think i've ever worked as hard as i did for a goal than i did um for that basketball tryout and uh and it got me here it's great it was great it was great yeah awesome yeah uh so i know a lot of people when they think of any kind of training resistance training are thinking um, primarily about their strength but you mentioned that you um, like to focus on the core and I guess stabilizing and um, uh, stretching and recovery I think that's an important aspect of health and fitness that is often overlooked even for people who do like to do their resistance type training primarily with weights I think some kind of stretching and recovering is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge, huge fan of weightlifting. I, I absolutely love lifting weights. Uh, and for me, the only way that I personally can do it is if I have a very stable foundation. So the one analogy I use is uh, lifting weights is like, is like shooting a, a cannon. 
And now you can shoot a cannon from a big pirate ship. And when the cannon, when the energy of the blast goes, it's not going to move the pirate ship. Or you can shoot a cannon from a canoe. And that's what a lot of people are doing when they go into the gym. They have a faulty foundation and then they're trying to build muscle. And so what, um, it's, it's interesting. So that's, that's the analogy. And then the real world practical, what it looks like is I'm stronger now at 40 than I was at 16, even though I was lifting weights for several years before then. Um, I, I have less pain than when I was 16 and I can lift heavier. And I wouldn't say more frequently because I lift actually less frequently now, but, um, there, there are definitely very tangible benefits to having a solid core foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I like that analogy that you brought up. Um, it really uh, puts into perspective um, the troubles you might run into if you don't focus on that base core strength before branching out to other areas. Um, I think um, sometimes people get um, a little too excited to do the the movements that might impress other people and not um, worry about the, I guess, more basic movements that um, really make up the majority of any kind of um, exercise you're going to do. And the trouble that you can get into um, if you do that, um, you, you might be able to train up to a certain point, uh, a certain weight a certain skill level in your body weight training but um i can imagine people getting into um some pretty uh troubling situations if they um don't like stabilize their foundation and they're trying to lift like like say like deadlift like 300 pounds if if your um back and core aren't strong I, yeah you're gonna run into trouble yeah yeah exactly exactly and then you know, one interesting thing that that I've come across a lot with clients who, you know, a lot of people want to work out because they want to look better. And, um, you know, once I ask enough questions, I find out that they usually also have back pain and they have knee pain and they have all these other things happening. And in their mind, there's still sort of a little bit of resistance. They're still sort of like, they're thinking, yeah, but you know, that's okay. I'm okay. If my back hurts a little bit, I just want to look good. So let's just lift the weights right now. And, um, I, I think what I want to impress upon a lot of people is that, uh, doing the core work is not just about prevention. It's not just about injury prevention. It is about looking better too. If you imagine two people standing side by side, and you can probably imagine the, you know, really bad posture person, who goes into the gym and then what they would look like one year later, they, they just, you just have a slouchy person with big muscles. Right. And they, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's sort of like, there's a sense where it almost defeats the purpose, right? One reason why you want to lift weights is to have that confidence and to have that presence. Uh, I think that's one thing Arnold Schwarzenegger said, you know, he's, he was, you know, he would walk into a room and, you know, he had this big, barrel open chest and big shoulders and things, but he had good posture. Mm -hmm. But then you see those people who have the big muscles, but they're slouched, right? Like their shoulders are coming forward, their head is forward. 
And uh, I think in that case, it kind of defeats the purpose. It's like, okay, well, you have big muscles, but they're all, I mean, everybody can tell they're kind of, you're kind of misshapen, your frame is misshapen. So that's kind of the superficial aspect of it. But of course, the deeper aspect is, well, when you have better posture, you have, you have better balance, your back is in a better position, your hips, your knees, elbows, ankles, every joint, and you're much more likely to finish your workout without injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you as a trainer, uh, how do you go about assessing uh, someone and their foundation? And if they do need to maybe uh, take a step back and uh, focus on their posture or um, uh, stabilizing muscles before they progress with their other training? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the the initial assessment is real simple, just kind of what I was just talking about. It, you know, you can tell a lot about somebody's muscle imbalances just based on how they walk, how they stand. So that that's the quick snapshot. After that, I have 42 exercises, 42 very basic exercises that require no equipment at all. And they hit every body part from every angle. And everybody that I've taken through it has, well, I don't want to say failed because uh, some people come close, but every there's there's been nobody who's been perfect at the test. Even last summer, I trained an NFL cornerback who has the biggest arms out of anyone I've ever met in my life. His shoulders are as big as my head, and he failed maybe six of the exercises. And once we, there, there's not exactly a one-to-one correlation, but it's close because once he got better at those six exercises, his back pain was gone. So um, he, he got as close as anyone ever has to like a perfect score on the test the first time. Most people, it's very surprising to them, even like kind of a fit sort of weekend warrior type of person um, will only be able to do like 15 to 20 of the exercises. And then the other 20 of them, they just, they just can't do it. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's really important. And, and I don't do it to make people feel like, Oh my gosh, I suck. I do it because it's really important to see like, okay, well, you're really good at these ranges of motion and you're really not so good at these others. So let's leave alone those, the ones that you're already good at. Those will stay good, most likely. And let's really focus on your deficiencies here, bring them up. And then once they're up and they're level with everything else, then we can sort of attack everything together and, and progress with that balance. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like that you uh, mentioned that it, it's not to beat people down and show them like, oh, you're, you're not really as strong as you think you are. It's kind of more, it, it seems to me almost more of like a, a wake up call, like maybe you're, you're not focusing on the more important aspects of your health. Like, yes, it is great to be able to lift um, this amount of weight, but if you can't like get yourself out of bed without feeling a twinge in your back, that might uh, be a problem going forwards. And like, I guess um, I, I know you said that a lot of people's goals with training is to look better, but I wonder what is the, um, should you be sacrificing uh, how you feel for how you look? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And I always, I always dig, you know, the person, let's say they're 25 pounds overweight. 
and I find out they have back pain. And I always try to dig a little deeper and I ask just, I mean, the best question is just why, why do you want to lose weight or, or why do you want to get rid of your back pain? And, um, and then I keep asking why, and then we get to the point where I can tell, okay, they're, they're going to tell me the truth now. They're not guarding anymore. And then I ask them the ultimate question. I say, okay, we're, we're obviously going to try to get rid of your pain and help you lose these 25 pounds. But let's just say hypothetically, you could only do one of them. Which one would you rather do? Every single time that I've asked that question, the person says, oh, I'd rather get rid of my back pain. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I weigh 20, 25 pounds more than I should, but I have zero back pain, oh my gosh, I'll be so happy. Because then at that point, when you have no back pain and you have no neck pain, knee pain, that's, that's chronic, you know, obviously if you get in a car accident, you know, stuff happens, but if, if it's chronic, then you are, you're getting rid of the number one weapon that you have in your fitness tool chest. And that is consistency. When I was 14, 18, 21 years old, the reason why I didn't achieve the results that I have been recently is because I never had the back, the healthy back to be consistent with my workout. I couldn't go five days a week for a year because at some point I would blow out my back and I would lose a month or two. So what you get by having a pain-free back is that consistency. And then, and of course there's other things, there's other factors, as you know, you know, nutrition and things like that, that once you get that dialed in, the weight can start to come off too. So I think, I think putting first things first is really vital. You know, make sure your function is right. Make sure your posture is good uh, and, and make sure that you're good at all those exercises. And if we could go back to those, um, that, that list of 42 exercises that you, uh, like people to do, could you give an example of, um, one of them, maybe that, um, you find that a lot of people struggle with, or like maybe, maybe even like one of the exercises that, that, um, NFL cornerback, uh, was unable to complete. I think it would give people an idea of maybe, uh, an area that a lot of people, don't really think about that much and that they might want to um, revisit in their uh, training. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a couple the first example I'm thinking of is, is the quad stretch. I like doing quad stretches where um, you're lying face down uh, on the floor. So basically you bend one knee, you grab onto one ankle, pull that heel toward your glute. And what you're trying to do here is not just stretch the quad, but you actually want to engage your glutes, your butt muscles to push your hips down to the floor. And then you also want to engage your abs so that your lower back stays relatively neutral. It doesn't overarch. Um, and what I notice with a lot of people, especially runners, uh, a lot of runners have tight quads and, um, it, you know, if I go out here to a, a running trail near my house, I will almost every time see a pack of runners and they're standing, stretching their quads. The problem with how they do it is they're sacrificing their back in order to stretch the quad. Um, the quads uh, and the quad is the thigh muscle, the front of the upper leg, if anybody doesn't know, but the, um, the quad attaches the top attachment site attaches to the front of the pelvis. And when the quad gets tight, it will shorten and it will, pull that attachment down toward the floor, which will in turn 
hyperextend the lower back. So in order to stretch it, the first thing you need to do is neutralize your, um, your lower back because otherwise it's, it's again, that analogy shooting a cannon from a canoe. There's no stabilizing factor. There's no, um, you know, the, the, um, attachment side is not stable. So therefore you're, you're basically, you know, arching your lower back in order to stretch your quad, which is counterproductive. So, um, the NFL cornerback, let me actually pull up his assessment real quick. Um, he scored really well. Like I said, I do it on a percentage system. So it's out of a hundred. There are, there are three main categories. There's flexibility, range of motion, and core. And um, the difference between flexibility and range of motion is flexibility is kind of like an outside force is acting upon you. So for example, like if, if I grab your arm and twist it around, that's flexibility versus if you do the same motion, but you do it with your own muscles, that's more of range of motion. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's like a scientific definition, but that tends to work for just how I do the exercises. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So one example of one that he was not so good at, and this is interesting because, um, as a, as a cornerback, he's one of the fastest guys on the field. Um, and that takes a lot of change of direction in the hips and in the legs. Right. So one that he, he scored a zero on, I don't often give zeros, but he literally could not do the exercise at all. And that was, um, it's called inner thighs. So if you guys remember Jane Fonda back in the eighties, she did this a lot. So basically you're going to, you're going to lie down on your side with your back against a wall. And so everything's touching the wall, your, your heels, your calves, your butt, your upper back and the back of your head are touching the wall. And then the side of your body's touching the floor, right? It's resting on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then from there you take your top leg and you move it out of the way. So you just bring it forward. And then your bottom leg is still straight. And with that bottom leg, you're going to use your inner thigh muscle to lift the entire leg off the floor. And um, he couldn't lift it at all. And this is something, and that's, you know, a lot of people are not so good at this one, but he was, you know, again, this, this is like one area where it really came out. It's like, wow, you're so good at these other things. And this is really bad. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so yeah, we worked on that for the next, let's see, it took him, took him about two months to go from a zero to a 100. And he was doing this every day. Um, second one, I'll just finish with this example, uh, was an upper body exercise. Um, so I call it, uh, I just call it the rotator cuff, standing rotator cuff exercise. You're standing and your back is against the wall. I like doing a lot of stuff against the wall because it, it doesn't allow you to cheat and compensate. So standing with your back against the wall, your head, your shoulders, upper back, your, your glutes, your butt, and your, uh, your calves and your heels are against the wall. And then you bend your elbows 90 degrees. So your fingertips are pointed straight forward. You pull your elbows in tight to your side and you keep them there as you bring your hands out. So that's rotating from your shoulder socket. And that was another area where he wasn't able to do it. Um, and again, it was a zero and he did not get up to a hundred in two months. He, he got up to 50, 50%. And that was definitely still an issue where I told him, I said, look, this is where you're, you're still struggling, but his average score after two or his average score at the start 
was uh, 72. And his average score at the end uh, was 92. So he uh, yeah. he improved quite a bit. He was he did really good. Yeah. Um, if you could take either one of those exercises, like how does that benefit him like down the line with the rest of his training or with his performance on the field? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. So so I'll take the rotator cuff as a, an example. Um, actually, I guess you can, you can say this with anything. If, if your body is familiar with an isolated range of motion, then when that range of motion comes up, when you're doing a more dynamic movement, then no problem. Your body knows what muscles to engage, what muscles to disengage, and you're good. Um, if you're not able to isolate and think of you, you heard the ranges of motion, you heard the description of both exercises, right? And how mm-hmm. controlled everything is, right? Like he's anchored, you're anchored to the wall, you're anchored to the floor, nothing moves except for the one thing that we want to move. Right. And so if you can't do that with everything, like every other variable is, is accounted for, if you can't do it at that point, and a movement that sort of resembles that movement happens on the field or even in your day-to-day life you know you're walking upstairs or you bend down to pick up a pencil off the floor which Mm -hmm. is how a lot of people throw out their backs um then and there's all these other things happening your body doesn't even have that one piece of the puzzle it doesn't know what to do there's only a few options your your body will not allow you to just fall to the floor because that one muscle doesn't work and so it will call on um compensatory for compensation like it's going to make up a compensation it's going to ask a different muscle to do the work for that muscle that's supposed to be working um and it will just put you in a vulnerable position where something will over engage because it has to to keep you from going unstable or falling or or anything like that so you're talking about you know lots of torque on the football field and and it's highly likely that something would happen where that muscle needs to do some work and it is asleep and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not able to do the work and then injury, potential injury or mm-hmm. loss of performance. Yeah. And, and that's where you get imbalances, right. Or um, some kind of pain, like taking the, uh, uh, the tight quads as an example. Um, if your quads are tight and unable to perform to the level that you need them to perform, and your back is coming in to compensate for that. It's doing something that it's really not supposed to be doing. And that's when you start to uh, tweak it and get it like out of sorts because you're making it work in a way that it's not ideal to work in. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's for me, it's really rewarding, you know, seeing this, I, you know, I, I help people lose weight as well, but it, there's something about uh, unlocking some of these movement patterns that for me is just so rewarding. I think the main reason is because I've been, I've been where they are. You know, I, eight out of 10 Americans will experience significant back pain at some point in their lives. And, I mean, that's almost everybody. And, um, you know, most people will have a, a whole list of things that they could try if they try anything, you know, popping pills, going to a chiropractor, acupuncturist, massage, and those are all great. You know, there's a time and a place for all of that stuff. Um, you know, I love massages. I love chiropractic, acupuncture. 
I just think it's great to be able to say, Hey, um, my back is a little tweaky today. And then just, you know, go in the corner and spend 20 minutes and okay, now it's better. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this has been a lot of great information and it's, um, I think really, uh, goes to show that sometimes, um, keeping things simple and returning to your foundation can be really beneficial, not only for your foundation, but for, um, other, um, aspects of your training and health and just everyday life. So uh, I think it's important to often remember that, um, you can't, uh, run before you walk, uh, for that little cliche, but exactly, exactly. Um, is there anything, uh, that you'd, uh, like to share with the listeners, any like particular things that you like to impart to most people regarding body weight training or, uh, stabilizing their foundation? Yeah, I think the, I think the last thing I would go with is sort of reiterating what I talked about a little bit ago was the power of consistency and, and consistency doesn't necessarily mean every day. But just getting on, getting in in a habit, getting on sort of a pattern and building toward something uh, that you want to get. But seeing, so there's, there's value to that, but also seeing the big picture, right? And knowing that the body adapts relatively slowly because it's only going to adapt if it absolutely has to. So, um, you know, take your time take your time, right? There, there's plenty of time. Uh, I think one of, one of the reasons in addition to exercise selection, like which exercise I actually choose for people, I think another really important thing is how you do the exercise. So even with lifting weights, you know, how strenuous are you going? You don't have to kill yourself in the weight room to, to actually get benefit as long as you're slowly and steadily progressing you know, you will get the benefit um, and it will happen. And, and again, injury can completely derail you. Uh, Warren Buffett has a really cool quote. He says something like the best way to, or, or he says like the best investment advice is to not lose money. And so, I mean, it makes mm-hmm. sense, right? If you're constantly making money, even if you're making $5, you didn't go backwards. And I would say the same thing about fitness is like the best fitness advice is don't get injured. Mm-hmm. And because if you can, if you can get, if you can avoid injury, you are going to stay consistent and you might not go as fast, but it's, you, you may not go as fast in the moment, but the big picture and the, you know, we all know the, the tail, the, the tortoise and the hare, and that's totally true. And I tried to be the hare for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And I overtaxed the body and I learned the hard way. And I realized that you actually get there faster by just taking one step at a time and uh, putting one foot in front of the other. So I would encourage everybody, I would encourage everybody out there that play the long road and, uh, and, and it will happen. Just take little baby steps every day and you'll get there. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, don't push too hard and, or else it could end up costing you in the long run. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been really great pleasure to talk with you. Um, if you would like to take a moment to let people know, um, how they can get in contact with you, uh, on the internet or anywhere, go ahead, please. 
Well, well, thank you, Teddy. Yeah, I really appreciate the invitation and, and thank you for uh, having me today. Uh, yeah, my, my business is called My Core Balance, My Core Balance, and it's mycorebalance.com. Uh, and then, uh, so that's all the assessments and all the stuff that I do with that. I do the assessments one-on-one with people. I also have a small group. We meet on Zoom live every weekday, uh, early in the morning, uh, 7, 8, and 9 Pacific time. And then, um, and then I have a third membership, which is a kind of, kind of a DIY and that's, um, $15 a month, but I think there's a free trial still. So, um, that's at mycorebalance.com. And then secondly, um, I have a podcast, uh, not, it's not on the podcast platforms. It's on YouTube on the, my core balance, uh, YouTube channel. And that podcast is called health in the real world. All right, great. Um, so, uh, Links to that stuff will be in the show notes. So uh, be sure to check out that stuff and say hi to Chris. Great. Thanks, Teddy. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Hey, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening. I've set a goal of helping as many people as I can live happier, healthier lives, even if it is just in the small way that this podcast can provide. If you have found this episode valuable, and if you haven't already, please consider subscribing as well as leaving a rating and review. It helps grow the show, which allows me to reach more people like you. Until next time, be well.